You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. And I know last week we had a terrific guest here with Sterling Hawkins talking about his latest book, uh, Hunting Discomfort. Of course, you guys know that Sterling is closely related to our co-host, <laughs> my fellow co-host here, Gary. Gary, that was a great episode, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, no, I yeah. uh, love listening to Sterling when he gets uh, rolling on and some of the things he loves to talk about. Yeah, and I could see you beaming like a proud dad there on that show. But those of you who, who don't catch our uh, episodes on YouTube, you you know, you can see Gary and Sterling on YouTube as well. But we continue this Retail Perch episode with another exciting guest. We have uh, Jason Jay, like he, like he goes by. We were supposed to have uh, Catherine on, but she had to travel. But we're excited to have Jay here. So Jay, if you can take a few minutes here and just Tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and then we can kind of get into the questions because I think we haven't yet dealt with this topic, Gary, on uh, retail perks. We haven't talked about waste and how we can reduce uh, and improve efficiencies at supermarkets, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a great topic because I was looking at some of the stats, Jay, and they were staggering, right? And the amount of waste that's there in the industry. So I can't wait to dig into it. So if you can just give us a quick background, you know, about yourself and then your company. And if you want something else about uh, Catherine who's not here, the, your CEO and another, the, the other found, founder that you have in your company. So go right ahead. Sure thing. Yeah. So the, the company started out of University of Pennsylvania, uh, kind of as, as more of a science project, as, as Catherine would say, and, and grew out of there. So, and then I joined shortly after. So our technology can predict the maturity of produce. And when you know what the shelf life is, uh, not just putting a sticker of today plus 10 days, when you actually know what the shelf life is, there's a lot of very interesting things you can do in the supply chain. My background is I started my career at DuPont on the field side of agriculture. So kind of learning all the, all the variables in the field, which really, if you think about downstream and retail, we're dealing with all those variables, all the things that happened growing in the field without any information whatsoever on what those variables were. And so it's a real challenge downstream to manage inventory to manage product with thousands of variables that you are unaware of. Jay, do you have a sensor by chance you could maybe show us? Yeah, let me, um, it's a great question. Those of you who are listening to this on audio, you know, Jay is trying to find a sensor that they actually use to predict the ripeness of fruit and produce, I guess, right? Yep. Okay, so he, we have Jay back here with the sensor, and uh, he's going to show us what the sensor looks like. So if you're interested, get on to the YouTube channel and look for this, and you can see what it's like. So Jay, what does it look like? Uh, yeah, so we do have a few different versions, but this is um, this one will go like on a truck or a shipping container. So it's pretty small form factor, you know, pretty easy just to put on a pallet and follow it. Uh, that's on, say, like a, a pallet in a truck or a shipping container where we gather data sometimes. Um, so if you if you don't mind, I'm going to describe what it looks like. Can you can you bring it up again? So this looks like a mini Apple TV uh, form yeah. factor, except that it's silver. It's got a nice little logo on it that looks like a leaf, but more like an arrowhead to the leaf. And uh, you stick it on a pallet. Is that right? And then yeah, it kind of senses going mm -hmm. on. Okay. So so what's the basic technology? How does it work? We we measure quite a few things and gather data from all across the supply chain. But the core technology, our our patented technology is ethylene sensing. So if you think about 
really the top 10 uh, commodities, which is what we are currently focused in, uh, apples, pears, bananas, kiwis, mangoes, uh, tomatoes, flowers, uh, stone fruit, those things all ripen. And so they mature as they go and they release ethylene gas as they mature. And that ethylene gas is a very direct indicator of its maturation cycle. So fruits have used gases to communicate forever. It's kind of like a biological evolution. So we can intercept those signals that are basically saying, I am this ripe. And if you know how ripe something is, now you know how long it's going to last. And so our sensor is based on that communication between fruits. So we use receptors found in fruit to sense ethylene the same way that they do. And so we basically hacked a fruit. And so this is basically a little mini fruit that can read what the other fruit are saying. So they're, they're telling on themselves and we're listening. Hmm. So I, I just had an idea to jump across my mind here. I wonder if you can put this in refrigerators to detect whether your produce in your refrigerator is going rotten. Yeah, no, there's certainly an application at home. You know, one of our, our viewpoints as a company is a, a lot of times consumers get blamed for food waste, but the reality is if something lasts three days today, and then the next time you buy it, it lasts nine days. And then one day, it's really unfair to have a consumer take the blame for wasting that food. And so the further down the stream you get, the less impact you can really have. So really what we're focused on is smoothing out that supply upstream and making it predictable. If you knew every time that a kiwi is going to be ready in three days, you would waste a lot less food. And so it really, it's this system-wide chain that we're trying to optimize for. I do think media kind of blames the, the people for not, not eating their food, but it, it's pretty hard to do. We all thrown avocados away and we're not doing it because we want to. It's, it's usually a mistake. So can a company using your tech, are they able to monitor those avocados from the field all the way through the supply chain to when they, you know, pull up to the back door of the store? Yeah, basically. So we try to follow the decision. You know, we're not just a data company. So if we were to work with, say, an avocado and a retail supplier and a retailer, we could gather data across that chain that optimizes how that product is treated from not, not necessarily from farm, but from when it's imported or shipped all the way into which store is it shipped to at what time. Once an avocado is in a grocery store, there's not a lot you can do. You can't send it back and send it to another store. Or you can't hold it for a while. So it's really upstream that we make most of our decisions. Wow. That, that, but, you know, I was looking at some of your stats, uh, Jay, that said that almost 40% of fruits and produce is actually wasted in supermarkets. So, you know, and I thought I was the culprit, right? <laughs> no, it's not your fault. We'll go, we'll go uh, Google hunting. It's not your fault, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's amazing. I mean, 40%, that, that would seem like there was a huge opportunity here to even half that or, you know, reduce that by three quarters. And that would be an enormous amount of food, right? Yeah, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, food waste does generate a lot of emissions, right? It's, it's actually very, very bad for the environment. Also, just because food isn't wasted, it, it may not be the right quality on the shelf. And, and the way we see it is uh, you can reduce the waste, but you can also improve the quality. If someone loves the quality of the produce they're buying, they're going to buy a lot more. You know, Canada eats almost three times the produce per capita is the United States. And part of that's our love of fast food, but part of that also is we can inspire people to eat more, eat more food, uh, healthy food. And I so even on the shelf does that. You said Canada eats three times the produce per capita as the United States. Is that right? Yeah. So we can grow our, we can grow the category big time, right? So it's not, wow. 
in our view, it's not apples versus apples, it's apples versus Cheetos. And the world is moving to more sustainable, more healthy food. And so we're trying to help support that by making it taste better and, and kind of telling the story of what everyone is doing to be more sustainable. I think there's a there's a misconception possibly that food waste is is really someone's fault. We know a lot of suppliers and a lot of retailers, and they are trying very, very hard, investing a lot of time and money and, and reducing waste. Um, but it's very difficult. And so that's kind of where we come in is we can connect this chain and help all the players make better decisions uh, when they cooperate and when that data is shared across the chain. Hmm. Wow. So let's go back, use avocados as our example. You know, if they're being transported in a, a truck trailer, um, uh, you've got a sensor in the trailer that's sort of monitoring that, that entire load, right? Yep. Yep. That's generally right. All right. Um, you also mentioned, though, it could work at like the pallet level. Uh, yeah. So, so we try to follow decisions. So a lot of times, you know, a retailer, for instance, in their inventory, they're shipping a pallet. And so you can have an identifier on a pallet and you can make a decision based on that pallet. Uh, if you think about like an apple packer who's storing, you know, 2000 bins of apples, they're opening a whole room at a time. And so the decision becomes, which room do I ship? So it really depends on the supply chain segment and, and how someone's uh, supply chain. Are you capturing other data beyond monitoring ethylene levels like temperature and time at certain temperatures, that type of thing? For sure. There's a lot of things that go into perishability. Um, anyone yeah. knows if you get the temperature wrong, everything else is irrelevant. And so there are a lot of things that go into it. I think ethylene is the, or what we do, the data we capture or generate is really, the, in our view, a lot of the missing piece. So the gas production rates, for instance, they really tell you how much legs are left. And that's a core factor into deciding how long is this product going to last. Wow. So, so I got the three numbers that I uh, read off one of the articles here, I think the first was the total amount of waste. That's about $200 billion, right? Is that the number that you guys put out on that article? The second number that I thought was astounding was 92% of the reasons that people switch grocery stores because of freshness of produce category. Yeah. And yeah. I think the third thing that I find really uh, fascinating is that you know, produce accounts for about 12% of an average retail store's revenue. Now, mm -hmm. Gary, you know, put your retailer hat on. I, I would think that the periphery of the store is probably the most profitable section for oh, a typical retailer. Absolutely. And a key element in maximizing those margins is controlling the shrink, right? You know, how much right. you're throwing out. So, so if 92% of approval of a retailer is because of their produce category and they're losing 40% due to shrink, it doesn't, it makes total, I mean, it's obvious that you got to figure out how to reduce the shrink and right. get your produce category to be the most attractive for your yeah. customers, right? right? And I can see yeah. that your technology obviously plays into that whole uh, space here, Jay, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, 40% doesn't happen at the grocery level. It happens kind of across the entire chain, but there's still a significant amount at the grocery level. If you think about produce, it's the way to differentiate as a retailer. The mm -hmm. reason it's choosing you versus the next person is produce. But you could argue produce is the least differentiated product. It's kind of presented as commodity, you know, like apples are apples, avocados are avocados. You get Honeycrisp versus another type. Uh, but really, there's a lot of differentiation to be happening in the grocery store. And we think that's kind of a new frontier. You know, kombucha, which we all love, gets credit for being healthy, but produce doesn't. 
uh, produce is the ultimate healthy uh, item. And we think it deserves a lot more you know, sex appeal, if you will, uh, than it's getting in the grocery store. There's some question. I mean, you, you walk into a Wegmans, right? And the first thing you see is kind of like the farmer's market type of huge produce section. And I think it immediately tells you, I think how much a retailer takes care of their produce department is an indication of how much they care about quality overall as shopping, right? Because I think that's a really, really critical aspect of this. Yeah, yeah having lived in Philly for quite a while, uh, you know, Wegmans does an amazing job. And, and if you mention Wegmans to anyone, whether they're in the industry or not, it's quality. And I think you're right, it shows and they really care about their produce. And, you know, they'll, they'll staff people in the produce aisle more than most folks will and really invest in it. And it shows throughout the whole brand. So, so Jay, who are your customers? Are they the, the growers or the packers? Are they retailers, distributors? You know, where are you finding the most traction? Yeah, great question. So we really cut our teeth and, and um, the more, majority of our total number of customers is in Washington, which is why we've relocated the company out to Seattle. So Apple and Pear Packers, who work with all the growers, they store fruit so that we have a year-long supply and we help them optimize their storage. Um, so if you have a bunch of storage rooms, you need to know which, which fruit to ship first. Knowing the maturity level or the shelf life is really critical in getting the most out of your crop the entire year. So those folks, the Apple Pear Packers in Washington and Oregon, have supported us for day one, and that's our longest uh, term customers. Um, but we also work with importers. So if you're importing kiwis and it used to take 30 days and now it takes 120, knowing the shelf life of those kiwis is really critical to getting them to the store in time. So we put uh, sensors on um, containers to give importers a vision of maturity when it arrives. If you just cut a fruit open uh, and do QC, it catches huge problems, but it doesn't tell you that one container is gonna last 10 days longer. And so a lot of our QC metrics are really just stop loss. You know, Is this bad, yes or no? But there's not a lot to do with that if it is bad. And then our, our, our large new market we're working in now, and we have a few large retailers we're, we're working with is retail. So retail, think about grocery, uh, they get the product at the end of the chain. And that's when a lot of spoilage happens. I would defend very strongly suppliers and distributors are doing their absolute best to get them the best quality, but it is at the end of their life. And so that's where a lot of the um, shrink comes. The other thing about retail is if people love your produce section, like you mentioned Wegmans and there are others who do a great job, you get a lot of credit for that. You get all the traffic and, all the, all, and everyone coming back to your store. And so there's a lot to be gained and a lot to be lost by retailers. So we think we can make a huge, huge impact in the grocery store. That's also where consumers interact with produce. And you know, it's, it's definitely our mission and our passion to help improve the perception of the industry and grow the industry. And then happens in the grocery store. So where do the retailers actually deploy a product? Is it on the floor or is it in the, the back room where they're storing stuff? It's, it's not in the store at all. So um, generally once it's shipped to the store, you know, the clock is ticking, there's not a lot to be done. It's implemented in their distribution center and sometimes upstream with suppliers. Really depends on the supply chain, but if you're doing banana ripening, that's usually done in-house in at a retailer. The whole approach of our technology is, we know what the shelf life's gonna be before you can measure it or before you can see it. And so that decision needs to happen upstream. You can make a much bigger impact upstream. It's kind of like a kid. You know, you can make a bigger impact on a two-year-old than you can a 40-year-old because they're still developing and there's time left. Hmm. Neat. So, Jay, what, what does the 
sort of future your future uh, uh, product roadmap look like? Uh, I've got to believe there are other you know gases or other things that you're going to be able to measure or pick up through different sensors, right? To expand what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. That's and that's a great question. Right now we. We find if you focus, you actually get more done, right? Oh, uh, so, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I ask, you know, I was familiar with the company, oh gosh, a couple of years ago now, that was doing some work around uh, trying to actually detect uh, pathogens. So mm -hmm. understanding that in this load of broccoli, lettuce, whatever, right, E. coli was present and being able to detect that through a sensor, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, and that's a that's a very obviously a very important challenge. If you think about safety, it's important, but also you know uh, an E. coli breakout just it's very harmful to to that category and to the growers because people don't come back for quite a while. So that's a that's an important endeavor. Obviously, uh, we're we're focused primarily now on those top ten commodities that cause yeah. a lot of the waste. They're also the things that people care about. Uh, if you get an avocado and you can't eat it for four days or it goes bad before you eat it, that makes you really not want to buy more avocados. And right. so solving that problem, again, we believe encourages people to eat healthier and also reduces waste on the shelf. And, and part of the reason we're putting hard avocados on the shelf is because we don't have the predictability to get it to the right stage. The way yeah. the industry has developed that for bananas. Bananas are sold ready to go because it's just been done. Um, so after that, we're looking at, you know, our core business is optimizing uh, inventory for shelf life and putting the best quality on the shelf. So there's a lot of work to be done in produce oh, for yeah. quite a while. Past that, though, you can apply that concept to meats and seafoods and other things. So if you take healthy food, make it taste better, you know, reduce the shrink on it. What's cool about the category is, unlike some other categories, uh, sustainability is profitability. You know, everyone's incentivized to, I guess, do the right thing for the environment. And so no one in the chain likes throwing their food away. A grower doesn't like throwing away what they've made. A distributor doesn't like buying things and throwing away. And a retailer certainly doesn't like it. Yeah. And, you know, to your point earlier, if you, if the retailer can deliver a better quality, better tasting product, consumption of fresh foods is going to go up, which is, helps everyone and, you know, lower shrink that ultimately hopefully results in a lower cost. Yeah. And if you're, if people are buying more then you're turning it quicker, which also helps shrink. So it's, you know, better quality, better sales, kind of the, the rising tide lifts all ships, the growers do better, et cetera. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the bottom of the funnel is wider and there's more consumption, you know, product moves from farm to table much faster. There's fewer chances of shrink. Uh, right, less stuff sitting in storage to be sold out. Yeah, I guess it's just an all-round uh, win. So I have a question. This is more unrelated to your technology, but I want to understand the story of your company. You know, like, yeah, what prompted? Well, where did it start? I mean, was it? It must have been an idea at some point, and then some. Someday you decided this is worth making a company, right? Yeah, I'll I'll do my best to represent Catherine's uh, early days. I joined relatively early, but she she certainly started before me. So. She was a, a student at University of Penn and was procrastinating uh, on applying to neuro, uh, neuroscience grad school and read that 40% of produce is wasted. And um, that really does seem like a, a ridiculous thing in 21st century. Caveat, as you learn more about the industry, it's actually amazing that we get this much fresh food to people without it all wasting because it's an incredible challenge. But it does kind of give you a gut check, like we can do better than that. And so 
she started exploring, you know, where's my grocery? She went to the grocery store. Where did my food come from? And most of us don't even know that. I didn't know shrimp had legs. So I was 18, you know? And so like learning where your food comes from is something that's really become popular recently. And so she started just asking folks and eventually met um, one of our early customers, Leighton Rice at, at Rice Fruit Company, who really taught her about apples and, and realized we can make a difference here. And so she started developing the core technology and, and did some trials. And I met her at that time. We, we kind of just fell in love with the industry and are, are doing the best we can to, to make an impact. And so we try to be really customer led. If a customer says, I have this problem, uh, our hairs raise up and we say, all right, team, let's see if we can solve it. Right. So your devices that you made, obviously, does, Catherine doesn't have experience in electronics and, you know, she comes from more of a biological sciences background, right? If I'm not mistaken. So how did you put this device together? What was the process? Yeah. So I, you know, everyone probably feels this way, but I think we have the best team in produce. We have an amazing team of engineers and, and scientists and developers. So we just have really great people on our team. Uh, Zhu Yang was an early employee who is a wizard at IoT networks and designing electronics. He joined the team before I did. So he made the first prototypes, kind of validated this works. Having a product that works without manual labor is really critical to, um, especially as labor costs go up, but to yep. something that's processing so much volume. So basically we have really strong team members who are just as passionate and dedicated as we are. That's- So these um, devices are battery powered, I'm assuming? Yep, they're all battery powered. They're all wireless. They do wireless transmission. Uh, so, you know, no one needs to go find a sensor and plug it in or a CA room, control atmosphere storage room. They're really low oxygen. So you can't go in there. It's dangerous. And so having, how long do these sensors last? We, we make them to last based on the application. So an apple can be stored up to a year long. And so our devices can last up to a year. A shipping container can be, you know, a couple months. So those last six months, uh, the battery power just depends on the application. Got it. Got it. Wow. So your customers are not just growers now, they're also retailers, as I understand, right? Yep, for sure. So we're, we're yeah, we're working with a few large retailers. Uh, really, and, and maybe it hasn't been this way historically, but I think people are seeing it. We're all in this together, you know? It's the, oftentimes it's the grower's label on the produce in the store, and they do a great job growing great produce. So we're a team to get that to the customer in a way that they, they enjoy. And they bite into an apple and it tastes delicious, they're going to come back. And that helps everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I know Shaker, you know, one of the big national supermarket retailers, he has for several years or more deployed sensors in their trucks carrying fresh produce that are monitoring uh, temperature, right? So they know, you know, the temperature range that load has been through over the last 24 hours, but also how long at those different uh, temperature levels. Wow. And I think wow. one of the missing pieces there is that's critical. If you don't treat your, your yeah. produce correctly, temperature wise, there's a problem, but what we're building out with our, our data team is, can we treat that exception in an automated way so that you don't have to have staff go get it, quarantine it, put it away, remember to ship it. A lot of times we hack, you know, or add on or do an API or webhook to a warehouse management system where It'll automatically identify that problem and send it out before it is a problem. Our view is we have plenty of shelf life, but we just need to use it correctly. Yeah. So if one pallet has 20 days of shelf life and one has 10. Currently, the retailer and a lot of times the grower doesn't know that. If you know that, it's actually pretty simple to, to do the right thing. 
Yeah. So that, that's really neat, uh, neat idea that you're connecting to the, uh, the warehouse management systems and able to automate that process of, you know, this pallet should go before that pallet to help the people, you know, doing the picking or whatever in the distribution center to understand what to move first. That's, that's cool. So how does this say, uh, seems like there is a way to partner up with companies that provide transparency, right? They want to track the entire supply chain farm to table. Uh, and, you know, and like you said, consumers are more interested in knowing where was this grown, when was this grown, what were the conditions, you know, if you're eating out of sweet greens, you know, you pick up a, you know, box of salad, you know, you can learn a lot about where it came from, right? Yeah. So I'm sure there's some, are you guys considering partnerships to these companies to add this information into the mix? Yeah, cer certainly open to that type of conversation. I think traceability has become very, very popular and, and very important. You know, we believe a lot of like sustainability efforts are implemented if they're profitable, you know, unfortunately, especially in, in an upcoming recession, we can't always do sustainable efforts just because they're the right thing to do. But if you can make them profitable, then they stick. So we try to follow the decision. So putting, you know, shelf life on a package may or may not be useful. It really depends on the commodity, but we know that distributing it in the correct order to reduce waste and make the quality on the shelf better. That is very useful and very profitable. So we, we try to be hyper-focused on where we make an impact to the consumer and obviously the profitability. Cool. So, so where do you, what's the vision for the company? Where do you guys see yourselves going? Obviously you're, you know, early stage. I see that you just raised a series A and uh, you know, so you're on your onward and upward journey. So what's the vision? Yeah, so, so we're working to basically certify that this produce has the proper shelf life to move through the supply chain sustainably. And then when someone eats it, it'll be really high quality. If you think about, Gary, you probably know this really well, the current supply chain, you know, we, we check produce when it gets to the distrib distribution center door. And that's yeah. really the last time we look at it and last time we measure it. But yeah. what really matters is when someone bites it at home with their kids or at work, wherever they eat their produce, what does it taste like? What's the quality there? And so we're trying to look at that side of it, right? How do we actually optimize the quality uh, and reduce the shrink in home and at that experience level? So the vision of the company is uh, really to just continue to make an impact in produce, improve the quality, improve the shelf life for the profitability of the people in the chain. And our hope is that people eat more healthy food and the farmers and the retailers and distributors all benefit from that as well. Yeah, no, I, I love the idea of applying technology to what you're doing, you know, because the industry retailers have long been challenged right at store level by the people they're, they're hiring, you know, so many uh, people today, especially younger people, not to pick on a demographic, simply are not produce aware, right? So many people don't know what an avocado is or other things, let alone, how do I tell if this is ripe or not? And there's a degree of that problem back into the distribution centers. So, you know, by you applying technology to this, helping that retailer deliver better quality product to that shopper, I, and it's a terrific idea. Yeah, I think, I think that that's another thing that I think people get kind of maybe wrong is expecting, you know, employees at, a, at 2000 stores to have the knowledge of 40 yeah. plus commodities that a post-harvest PhD would have and to fix the problem on the store level. Talk about a way to like unoptimize labor, right? If you have data that actually makes that decision for you, 
upstream, you, you let the person in the produce department do what they should be doing, which is rotating, engaging with customers, yeah. not trying to guess which avocado is going to last longer, which right. I can't even do. And I'm guessing you guys can't do. So we can't expect other folks to do that either. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you the number of trips I made to the supermarket and come back with avocados. My wife says, these are too ripe, or these are too raw. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> Who knows if she's right either, right? We're all kind of like- exactly. exactly, exactly. The cool thing about produce is like, everyone's grandma has a perspective. You know, like you've got to smell a melon on this part of the melon and it can tell you, or you got to knock on a watermelon. It's kind of fun how colloquial it is, but uh, it's not fun when you waste a bunch. So we'll leave that for the home and try to solve, solve this stuff with data. Right. Uh, and at that point, I think, you know, consumers want better quality uh, and, and they're saying it a bunch. People talk to us about avocados all the time and, you know, extending shelf life doesn't really solve that problem in, in our view. In some cases it does, on lettuce, it certainly helps. But people don't want an avocado to be hard longer. They want it to be ready when they expect it to be. Right. So things like, you know, things like chemicals are what we do and we have another solution, but really data makes the best decision here. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's also an issue with shoppers, right? So many shoppers, consumers don't, and this is sad, really don't know what great tasting fruits and, and vegetables are. Right. And, you know, a shaker knows uh, years back, I did a lot of work in Japan for a number of years. And, you know, during my visits there, obviously, you know, I'd be eating fruit and uh, fruit, especially. And I was just astounded by the difference in quality. Right. Whether I was in a restaurant and, and you know, got a piece of fruit or went into a store and bought a piece of fruit, the the quality, the taste, the flavor, the, the sweetness level was just unbelievable. And then you come back to the U.S. and walk in, you know, a, a chain store or any supermarket, it's just not anywhere close to that. So I, I think, you know, in that case, I, I think it was almost a cultural thing that people in Japan expect that great taste that enforces the people in the store, people through the supply chain, have to understand how to tell what's ripe, what's not, where is it at, right, as best they can. But again, you know, in today's world, the way to do this at scale is what you're doing, right? Apply tech. Yeah, and I, think, I think a lot of times, you know, we think about the retail level, we, we focus a lot on shrink and, and there's a good reason behind it. It's key to, it's, you know, tied to PL very strongly, but the way to, you know, shrink and quality are related. You can have really good quality and high shrink, or you can have really low shrink, but the quality is not great. And so the key is to try to impact both sides at the same time. Yeah. We all know that better quality brings people back and increases our sales, but it's really hard to act on that because we don't have a lot of, a lot of control there. Another, another um, fact for you that, that may be interesting is when people buy produce, they buy 20% more. And so produce has an impact outside of its category, which I think a lot of other categories don't. If I buy frozen waffles, I guess I'm buying syrup, but I'm not going to like build a meal around it, right? I've been to a store where I'm like, I want this meal. I need an avocado. I go there. I can't find one. Okay, we're going to do something else. Uh, so it's really critical to the whole store, which we, yeah. is why we believe, and, and retailers are doing it. They're investing in that space. Wow. No, fascinating. So right now, I think you guys are focused around eight uh, fruits and vegetables, right? So this is the plan then to expand the capabilities to a wider range of produce, maybe meat. Yeah, 
But. Yeah, I think meat and seafood would be a, a really natural next step. Um, things that are, are healthy and have a shelf life and quality matters. To be honest with you, if we took the 10 commodities and made them great, I would be happy and I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind retiring there, but certainly we would, right. uh, we would go to the next thing. I think meat and seafood would be, would be the next step after produce. That's yeah, the next thing we we'll look to in a store. Yeah, for- I heard a really interesting fact the other day about seafood, and I didn't know this. Now thinking back, it's obvious that seafood loses 7% of its weight on a daily basis because of loss of moisture. So yes. if you had a pound of salmon out for sale and you didn't sell it, the yeah. next day it's 7% less in weight. So you have to reduce the price. So in three days, it's, lose, it's lost close to 20% of its, of its weight. Basically, you're losing money, right, Gary? Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. seafoods. Seafoods even you know, much more challenging than fresh produce is. Yeah, I can imagine. So any kind of technology that can kind of boost and improve the movement of those products, I would think would be super interesting to uh, retailers. So that's an interesting thing. A lot of times, you know, shrink will be measured in terms of just weight loss. If you're measuring an apple, for instance, on the scale, we have seen some quite a bit of produce move from being, you know, uh, by weight to being per skew, which kind of solves that problem a little bit. I think it's relatively unfair to get paid less for an apple because it dehydrated 1%, uh, same with salmon. So I'm wondering if charging by the piece may, may be a trend that kind of solves that problem. But yeah, I don't know. yeah, and I, I think we'll see more of that as uh, more and more computer vision systems are, are uh, deployed across stores, right? Like the Amazon Go, just lockout tech, right? You know, those systems can detect it's an apple they don't know how much it weighs. So that's what's going to drive per piece pricing. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. That's probably the right mechanism. And it's really unfair for a grocery store to make less money because something lost a little bit of water weight. But sign me up for losing 7% of my weight per day. I'll do that for about a week. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Go sit in the fish case. Yeah, yeah. If I don't have to smell like that, I'll I'll sign up. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, no, this has been a fascinating conversation because, you know, a lot of times on this uh, podcast, we talk about tech and data and uh, understanding consumers through data. But I think the, this whole other piece of, and it's such a critical piece to uh, sustainability, you know, reducing waste. I think improving quality of people's uh, lives, right? Uh, and I think it's stunning. I think that the one thing that really stunned me was that we eat, uh, the Canadians eat three x the amount of produce that an yeah, average yeah. American eats. That that is stunning. That is, and it seems like if we were to just uh, push that number up to you know one point five x, it would solve a lot of the supply chain issues and wastage issues because more produce would get consumed and there'd be less that goes to waste there. Obviously, right? So I mean, the reality is a five percent increase in in consumption would dramatically change retail and, and growers' lives, their business would be dramatically changed in a positive way. So 1.5 would be amazing, but I think even a really small number makes a huge, huge change. And as consumers, you know, part of it's new generations, but part of it's all of us is we're primed. We want to eat healthier. We want to know where our food's grown. We want to do sustainable things. The market has the interest and we just need to communicate it and execute it uh, because people want it. If people want your product. That's such an amazing place to be. Yeah. So interesting. So, so with the pandemic, I know we're drawing to a close, we'll come finish up in a couple of minutes here, but with the last two years, you know, people eating more at home, 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's that's increased the you know overall movement of produce and fresh fruit uh, into people's homes, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that? Do you see anything in your data that says that suggests that it's made a difference or reduced uh, shrink in this? I think, I think quick turns uh, always help for sure. Um, you know, the winners, it seems in uh, during COVID were the folks who could execute kind of a, a one-stop pickup. You know, you don't want to go to three stores any longer. Uh, that was mid-pandemic. I think the world's kind of come back a little bit to normal. Right. But certainly, and people are, are cooking at home and hopefully fell in love with fresh tomatoes and, and kind of changed their mindset a bit. The, the reality is it kind of Picks and picks losers and winners because now the food service market is not serving as many people. Uh, so, like French fries, for instance, people weren't buying nearly as many French fries. So, thinking about it, produce and, and growers as a whole, we can only eat so much, but we could eat more tomatoes, more potatoes, more apples, and less Cheetos. So that's that's my personal goal. If you guys are signed up, I hope we get everyone. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's a lofty and very noble one. So that's awesome. No, this has been an exciting conversation. I'm sorry we couldn't have a Catherine. Maybe we can get her back on another episode. By the way, if you do send your address to Stephanie, she'll make sure she get one of these mugs. And maybe awesome. that'll be incentive for Catherine to get on the show. I'll be drinking <laughs> it, and she won't have one. And I'll just you know let there her know. You go. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Cost of travel. Uh, so, Jay, we, we have a lot of listeners, you know, across the uh, retail and retail food industry. If any of them want to learn more or get in touch with you, how uh, how should they do that? Yeah, you go to our website or just email, you know, jay at strellabiotech.com. I'll, uh, I'll answer you. Um, so it's, all of our customers are, you know, we have very personal relationships. There's not that many people in this industry. And credibility and trust is really, really important. So we don't have a sales funnel and a community. Just, just give me a call or shoot me an email. And that's kind of how these things work. So Strella Biotech, what did you come up with the name? Yeah, so um, Catherine's family is Russian. And so uh, Strella, I can't pronounce it Russian. I shouldn't even try if you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Strella um, means like straightforward. And so the, the logo is kind of like an, uh, an arrow and a leaf combined. Um, right, so precise yeah. and straightforward is where it came from. Nice, nice. Yeah, in the industry, it's, uh, it's uh, Straya, you know, with uh, a lot of Hispanic yeah. industry, we get the, yeah. the Spanish pronunciation, which we like as well. Nice, nice. Terrific. Well, it's been great having you here. And thanks so much for spending your time as a guest on the Retail Perch. And again, you know, send your address across. We'll make sure you get this mug. Just in one so that I'm, I'm exclusive. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you only get a mug if you get up on the show. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, exactly. Terrific. Thank you so much again. And, and, and all the listeners out there, I know it's been a great conversation, but thank you for supporting us and continuing to listen to the Retail Perch. We have uh, many more episodes coming up with some exciting guests. Uh, stay tuned. And thanks, Jay. Anything else, Gary, before we close out? No, Jay, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, guys. It's been really fun. I appreciate it. And uh, please stay in touch. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.